Well, hey guys, thank y'all so much for being here. I just wanted to just start off by encouraging you guys and letting you know that you being here is an answer to prayers. Um, honestly, this is God answering a prayer for um, us in this ministry, um, and hopefully you as well. And, and that's that we would have young adults continually showing up here on Thursday nights for us to dive deep into community with one another, to get to know one another, um, and honestly worship, because this is when I come to Cottonwood or when I come to any church, probably in the past eight years of my life, I've walked into a church and um, thankfully and gladly been surrounded by married, young and old, and um, grandparents and little kids and middle schoolers and high schoolers. And, and I love that the Lord does that because that's the way He wants His bride to be. However, sometimes it can feel a little bit uh, lonely, I think is the word I would use, walking into a church and and not immediately seeing this, like looking around and seeing people my age. And so I'm from College Station, and so we're not from College Station. I went to school in College Station, which is a college town. And so when I was there, mostly driving in my car, walking on campus, walking around the streets, I would see people my age. And that was just the general flow of things. But when you move out here to Collin County, that's not the case. We're not only, Collin County is not just a college town, although there's college students. It's a working place, but it's not just a working place for young 20-year-olds who just got out of school or for those who have been out for a while, 25, 26. It's not just us. There's, there's others in that demographic, right? And so this is an answer to prayer that the Lord would give us space to meet, to worship, and wants us, like I said earlier, once again, to, to dig deep into community. And so what I want to do tonight is I just want to kind of lay our heart out for you, like why we're called Table 215 and where we're coming out of and what does that mean and what's the purpose. Like maybe uh, you got like 37 text messages from me or maybe you saw us post on social media over and over again and, and maybe that's how you got here. Maybe a friend invited you, but now that you're here, I want to be able to at least give you guys paint a picture for you guys to see what are we doing, what's the heart behind this, and, and see if maybe the Holy Spirit can do something pretty cool by giving you the passion and drive that I have for this ministry. And so with that being said, I need to let y'all know a little bit about me because I, I look around this room and I know there's a lot of y'all that don't really intimately know me, like on a deeper level. And so uh, not because I want to talk about me, but because I think it's best for you guys to know a little bit about me. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, according to some people, there's a test called an Enneagram or Enneagram. Me and my wife fight about it. I'm not sure how you say it. But um, on that, I'm an eight. And so pretty much all that means is that I like confrontation. I'm loud. I'm really high energy. And... There's a lot of other negative things. I've yet to see any good, but that's all right, because I'm an eight. And not only am I, not, am I an eight on that, but on a scale of one to 10, when it comes to like intensity and way of living, the people on my staff, they would tell you, Brady and Haley would say, Leon's always at an eight, no matter what. Like breakfast time, he's at an eight. Lunch time, he's at an eight. 12 o'clock at night, he's up at the church doing stuff. He's at an eight. He's always moving. He's always talking. His hands move really fast. He talks really fast. So that's just me. With that comes a lot of things, and so I have, to, I have to clear the air with this. If I ever offend you personally, which I'm, it's going to happen. I want to be clear with everyone here. I'm going to say something, and you're going to be like, what does he mean by that? Listen, it's, it's, it's my personality. I'm trying to ask the Lord to sanctify me, slow me down. He's doing it slowly. But, but I tell you this because there's also, there is some good things about being a high-intensity, high-moving person. And that's that I, I, I want to say that I tell it like it is. And so my goal and my hope is that the Lord would use that in me, refine everything else, but he would use that ability to have me open God's word and tell this young adult community in Collin County what it is. 
Like, I want to tell y'all how it is. I want to tell you um, where are we and how can we get to this, whatever goal it is that you have in mind for community and for your relationship with the Lord. I want to help kind of cut out the middleman, and I want to help you see that. And and the only way I can do that is by the Holy Spirit um, connecting with you guys. And so um, let me start. Tonight we're in Mark 2.15. This is, we're actually in Mark 2.13 through 15, three verses, um, but I'll jump around a little bit before that. So y'all can go ahead and start there, or it's 2019, so if you're lazy or you don't have a Bible, they'll throw it up on the screen. But um, this is what I want to say. This is where I want to start. When I was in college, and I'm going to talk about college a lot because there are some college kids in here, but this is super relevant to, to me too even now. When I was in college, I had just recently gotten saved in high school, and I was on A&M's campus for the first time as a freshman <clears throat> walking around, and I'd only been to one church. I knew literally nothing about Christianity other than Jesus died for my sins. He rose again, proving that he was stronger than the grave and that he now wanted to give me this life of righteousness and holiness and all these fancy words that I really had no idea what they meant, but they sounded nice and I wanted them and I knew I was a sinner like so I know that sounds like the basics of our faith that's all I knew though and what I mean by that is that I didn't know what a Methodist was a Baptist was uh, a Mormon I didn't know anything I thought there was four main religions and everything fell underneath that I thought you had Jewish or Judaism Christianity Muslim and atheist and I thought everything else fell underneath that now maybe I was a little bit ignorant I, I, I know I get it this is a long time ago but that's that's literally all I knew I didn't grow up in a religious context. I didn't have Christian family. Like we, we had ethics and morals, but we didn't have anything to do with the church. And so I knew nothing about the church. So uh, I'm recently saved. I'm at college, and I call one of my friends at Arkansas, and I say, hey, man, how's life doing? Did you listen to last week's podcast? Because, again, I only went to one church my entire life, and so I thought when you moved, you just kept tuning in to your old church. And he goes, uh, no, man, I stopped listening. I actually got plugged into a church um, on campus. And I said, okay, well, I don't go to Arkansas, so I can't go to that church. So I did what naive Leon would do. He Googled Christian churches. And 0.7 miles away, believe it or not, because we're in Texas, the Bible Belt, there was a church. So I walked the next day, um, which was a Sunday, I walked to church. And I show up, and this is both of these stories I'm about to tell, I swear they're true. Uh, I have a shirt that has a cat on it, but it's not just one cat, it's like a crowd of cats. One of the cats is a DJ and he's partying, and the other cats are in the crowd, also part of this like rave festival. And I bought it at Walmart. I thought it was a cool shirt. I was a college kid. So I put that on. I had Nikes on, and I had this John Deere hat. It was all white. It was a trucker hat, uh, flat bill, because that was cool back in 2010. And it had like a green stripe on it. Anyways, I'm wearing this because at my old church, that was acceptable. And I walk inside of this church, and it looked kind of like our chapel. It was identical to this, actually. And, and I walk in, and the first lady I meet is this elder lady, probably in her mid-70s, and she shakes my hand. She's the connections person at the church, which didn't strike me odd, but it should have. And so she, she's getting my number and my contacts and my information, and she's asking me, and she's dressed like super nice, and she's asking me all these questions about where I'm from, and she's being friendly. And she then introduced me to service, and she says, why don't you come in? Um, you, you'll really enjoy it. And I walk in, and there's a room of about 70 men, mostly men, in tuxedo, like, they weren't tux, but they looked like tuxedos, like business meeting style um, inside. With, and we, they didn't have chairs like this. They had those, um, they had those like, rows with, with all of these hymnal books. And, yeah, and so I'm walking in there, and I'm like, uh, my church didn't have this. Am I in the right place? 
And so I'm awkwardly walking around. I'm wearing a shirt with cats at a rave. And so I'm like in the wrong place. And I walk in and I uh, go and I sit down by myself. And I think her name was Candace. I don't remember. But the, the connections lady walks in and sits next to me. And she's like, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, yeah, me, me too. I think like I'm here for the Lord. So I'm going to just pretend that none of this is, you know, relevant to me. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you look around during worship, but I was over here. Worship is like one of those things that since I'm an eight and I'm always moving, worship's one of those moments where I get to like freely bounce around and feel like I'm actually partaking in something because if I did that on here, you guys would all leave. But so in worship, that's like my thing. So I was like, I'll stick around for worship. Now, remember, I went to a contemporary church growing up. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Baptist tradition or Presbyterian tradition. And, and three ladies get up and they stand in front of us in acapella style. They pull out their heminals and so does everyone else and they start singing. And I was like, uh, where's the drummer? Where's the guitar? Am I supposed to match tune? Because I can't sing. Why is there six parts in this hymnal? Where do I start? And, and I'm just lost. And, and so I asked her, I was like, can you help me? It was the most embarrassing thing ever. She's looking at me like I'm a moron. She's like, you don't know how to read a hymnal? And I was like, no, I'm wearing a cat t-shirt. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. And Anyways, it's safe to say that I left there, she called me, and I never went back. Um, not because there was a bad service, it was just, you know, like, I want to wear a cat shirt, all right? And they obviously don't want me wearing cat shirts there. So um, anyways, I, I go then, and I go to Google, and I type in Google other Christian churches. I, not really. I just typed in Christian churches, and I was like, I'll find another one. Maybe that was one off. And so uh, this is a true story. I find a church, and I'm like all week praying about it because I'm like, God, what did you just put me through? Like, I'm like terrified that I'm going to not find a church like my home church because that's the only thing I knew. And this guy in front of me inside of my math class is wearing a shirt that says Brothers Under Christ on the back of his shirt. And I was like, all right, my man, it says Christ. Hopefully this church, and he's young, so hopefully it's going to be different. So I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, hey, I have a list of churches that I've been like trying to find to go to. Do you know a good church around here? And thankfully he was from College Station. So um, I'm not going to tell you all the name of the church because you'll see in a second. But he invites me that Sunday to go to church with him, and I do. And so I show up to church, and I'm not wearing that cat shirt, but again, I'm wearing a t-shirt, what I would usually wear, not even this nice, like t-shirts were as far as I went in college for niceness, um, and definitely was wearing a hat. And I show up, and I showed up a little late, and him and his friends sit front row, so other than him, what none of y'all did, like they sat right here. And he saved me that seat, like the front left closest to the preacher, that seat. And I'm like, okay, whatever, like I'm comfortable with this. My personality can handle this. I'm not freaking out. And so I go and sit down. Again, I'm late. Worship has started. And this is a true story, and I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm just saying this is what happened. So I'm new to the faith. I'm sitting there. Everyone's worshiping. And I can't help but notice on the exact same seat in the row next to us is this girl. And she is probably in her mid-30s, if I had to guess. Um, and she is worshiping. But the best way I can explain what it looked like to me was that she was doing some sort of ballet, taekwondo mixture. Um, and again, I, I've never experienced anything like this. And so it was confusing, right? I'm like, what in the world? Like, I raise my hand sometimes, and, and I'll point, and I'll get into the music, but I'm not breaking out like, you know, like any step up two moves during service. And, and then I look around, and there's more people doing it. And I was like, all right, this is cool, like, you know, whatever. And so I'm just sitting there, I'm trying to worship the Lord, but I can't because this girl has now taken like 12 steps forward, and she's worshiping the Lord and like, praise the Lord, she's doing her thing. But I, I'm watching her, 
and she does this weird move. She turns around, and this thing happens where we lock eyeballs. And, and I don't know if you've ever done this with someone, but for some reason, you don't look away immediately. You, you keep looking at each other despite not wanting to. And so we're staring. We're looking at each other. I, like, acknowledge because that's all I know to do, like, acknowledge that there's awkwardness. And she waved back and just kept doing her routine. And so, anyway, service continues pastor goes up, he preaches. From what I remember, I think it was a good service. I don't really remember, but I do remember what happened next. Uh, so he, he closes in prayer, and I, I only knew one way to pray, and that was like, like the emoji pray hands, and I closed my eyes because I guess that's what someone told me to do. I'm not sure, but this was like my prayer position for like the first two years that I was a believer, and so I don't want to be distracted, and I don't want to be unfaithful, so my eyes are shut, and I'm doing this, and he says amen, and I look up, and I swear to y'all it's a true story. In my personal space, five inches away from me is a floral design of the same dress the girl who was dancing is wearing, and I freak out, and I'm like, uh, what in the world? And, and, And again, I'm front row, the room's probably this size. The only two people standing up in the service right now is this girl and the pastor. And he just said amen. So everyone is looking. And I'm standing there. Or I'm sitting there with her standing in front of me. And I just know everyone's looking at me. And I'm trying to, like, forget about it. Thankfully, the band saved me. They're like, everyone stand. We're going to worship the Lord. And I was, well, I can't stand. This girl's, like, in my grill. And so I was like, uh, hey, can I help you? And she's like, yeah, can we go talk in the back? And at the time, I was dating another girl, and I said, ah, I don't know if this is, I looked at my friend, and I was like, is this proper etiquette? Like, should I go with it? I don't know what's going on. And he was like, no, you're good. You can go. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I I follow her to the back. We go to the back of the service. She looks at me, and she says, can I pray for you? And I thought, "Uh, is this because we locked eyeballs? Like, (laughs) you don't know anything about me, but all right, sure, like, go ahead. I'm not telling you my name, though. And so we, she puts a hand on me, which this is new to me, puts a hand on me, and she starts praying, and I go to this one right here. <laughs> and so we're pr- she's praying for me, but I can't hear her because the band is super loud in there, which I loved, but now I can't hear the person praying for me. So I'm just quietly sitting there waiting, and I can't hear her. So for some reason, I opened my eye thinking, opening your eyes, for some reason, opened your ears. I don't know what I was doing, but I was like, maybe I can hear her better or read her lips if I open my eyes. And so I open my eyes, and I'm looking at her, and I lean closer. And again, I'm not trying to be offensive, but at the time, I didn't have a word for this, and I didn't have the theology, but this girl, to me, was speaking in a different language. She was speaking another language to me while praying for me. And again, I'm new to the fa- I have no idea what's going on, and I'm like, I hope she knows I don't speak Spanish, and like, I, like and I'm, no idea. And so now, I've abandoned the prayer hands, my eyes are open, because I'm like, freaking out, and I'm like, are people looking at me, and her hand's still here? She then takes it off, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm sweating a lot. Maybe she felt that I was hot, like I'm uncomfortable, and her eyes are closed the entire time. Let me just let you know that. She does this maneuver, and I know she's done it before because of the efficiency efficiency that she did it at. She flips open her little satchel purse thing and pulls out something that I can only describe to you as uh, like a set piece from Aladdin. It looked like the genie's lamp, and she, I swear, she pulls this thing out. It's not very big. It looks like a teapot, and she then proceeds to do something, and with her eyes closed, pours like three drops of something, some liquid into her hand. This is before Young Living, so I know some of y'all are thinking that, but this is way before that. And so, like, I didn't know what that was either. And so there's these three drops in her hand, and she's praying, and I'm, like, freaking out, and I'm like, is that, like, some sort of acid? Like, what is she going to throw on me? Is it going to burn my skin? Like, you know, like, I moisturize. Please don't put that on me. And, and then she proceeds to dip her fingers while she's still praying in another language. And she looks at me, and she says, amen. 
and three splashes in my face. Now I'm sweating, so there's some sort of moisture con- combination with my sweat, and it's dribbling down my face and in my eyes and my nose, and it smells like lavender, and, and I'm so confused. And then, I kid you not, she looks at me and she says, thank you so much, like in the most sincere voice ever, thank you so much, turns around and walks back to her seat. And I literally ran to my friend. And I said, I, I have to go. I need to get out of here. Like, I'm freaking out. I, I want to know, first off, what you put on my face, but I didn't want to ask her because that would make me look like a child or like I was terrified. And, and anyways, I tell you guys these stories. This is literally my first experiences in the church, outside of the church that I got saved in. And so I tell you guys this story because as a college student or maybe even as a young adult, I understand when I bump into people out there at Starbucks or Cream and Sugar or wherever I'm at, when I ask them, what church do you go to? And they say, church isn't for me. Like, I, I, there's a, not, I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying there's a part, of my, a part of my being that understands where they're coming from. Like, yo, religion is crazy sometimes. A lady sprayed lavender-smelling oil or water in my face, and we never, ever had met before. That's not normal. If someone did that to you at Target, you would probably sue them or punch them in the throat. Like, this isn't normal behavior. And so, and again, listen, if you do these things, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Like, like I'm talking even outside of this, just common tradition on how we treat one another. I can understand why people tell me, man, I don't know, man, church just isn't for me. Like, like, like I understand when people say, man, I don't know about worship. Like, it's, I, I feel uncomfortable because I've been there, and I'm not there now. I've been, I don't know what the proper word would be, but I've been a grown accustomed to what we do. I've been inoculated to what we do, but, but I totally understand it. And like, especially as a college student or a young adult, if you didn't grow up religious, and I don't know, maybe some of y'all in here are like me, and you can, you can affirm this, but when you don't grow up in the church and you see some church stuff, outside of the context of it being appropriate or not, it can freak you out. Like, it can freak you out. And so, at table 215, I want, I want to dive into the text now. I, I, want, to, I want to look at what, what's the proper way to do this. Like, all of us in here have people that we know who are our age, who, who we'd love to hang out with. And, and probably, like, even as a friendship goes, we're like, man, I would invite that fool here any minute, but I know what they would think if they came into a church context. I've tried, but they tell me church isn't for them. They tell me they're not religious. I want, to look at, I want to look at the scriptures because at, at, at this ministry on Thursday nights, there's one thing I'll do every week, and that's I'll open the Bible, and the only thing I'm able to do is hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to allow me to paint a picture of who the incarnation of God is in the body form of Jesus Christ using my words so that we can see that and kind of move other things out of the way. Not saying those other things aren't good. I'm just saying I only, based on the scriptures, want to present Jesus Christ him crucified in his kingdom. And let me explain why. Let's open up to Mark 2, 15, or 13, sorry. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming with him, and he was teaching them. So it's talking about Jesus. Let me quickly catch you all up in the first 13 verses, in case you're not familiar with it. Jesus is in Galilee, which is a area, and then he's specifically in Capernaum, which is a city north of the Sea of Galilee. I know this because I Google Maps it, so that's not because I'm impressive. He's north of a sea in Capernaum, and the text tells us too. And so he's there, and based on the book of Matthew, we know that he's staying with two of his disciples. 
Now, he's staying with two of his disciples in Capernaum, and all of a sudden, he's teaching every day, and he's teaching about the gospel of the kingdom is what Matthew 4 says. So he's talking to everyone and anyone who's willing to hear about the day that God is going to redeem his people. He's going to heal sickness. He's going to let the dead rise. He is going to conquer death, and he's going to set up an eternal kingdom that is just perfect beyond belief. And you know what? Because we're human and we have broken souls, no matter who you are, believer, not believer, religious, not religious, people flooded it. It says that so many people were attracted to this this message and the way that Jesus taught and the things that he was doing that at this disciple's house, the doorways were packed. They couldn't even get into the front door because there's too many people inside of the house. And so, and then just to fast forward to catch you up, to get to 13, what happens next is four dudes have a, have a friend who's a paralytic and they're like, yo, we need to get this dude to Jesus. But they get there and the front door's packed so they get on the roof and it says they tear the roof off until there's an opening so that they can be in the presence of Jesus. Now that sounds like a story that belongs on TMZ when Justin Bieber shows up somewhere and girls are trying to make it there. Right? This is like a type of popularity that none of us in here have. Like this place, like if one of you showed up, not everyone in the Collin County area is showing up. Or if I'm teaching, not everyone in the Collin County area is showing up. But when Jesus shows up and he's doing the things that he's able to do, they pack that place out. Not because of anyone, not because of, of anything other than who the person and works of Jesus Christ is. So let's continue. The disciple probably was super pissed off because they tore his roof up and there's not insurance. And so we see in verse 13, it says, he went out again beside the sea. They needed a place where they could stop ripping roofs off to get to him. So they went outside to a public park. So they went outside to the sea again. So he's done this before and crowds were coming to him and he was teaching them. Verse 14, so he's at the Sea of Galilee teaching. Now he's going back to Capernaum. So on the way back at verse 14, and he passed by and saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, two real quick things, and this is just to catch you all up with the story. One is Levi is more than likely based on every sort of evidence that I could do research with is Matthew, one of the disciples who, who actually the first gospel is written after. It's probably Matthew. And, and the reason I say that is because that's one of the disciples that was a tax collector. He probably changed his name because of what a tax collector is. The best and shortest way I can explain to you, if you don't know what a tax collector is, is that Rome at the time ruled everything. Rome was taking over everything. And the way Rome did it wasn't by knocking and bringing cookies to the door. They would go in before asking and murder hundreds of people in each city just to claim like this, like puff up their chest and show them what they have. And then once they eventually bowed down and said, we're not going to fight, then they would just move in, take over everything, and then they would move on to the next city. Now, the way, the only way that they could have afforded for this to happen was after taking over each town, also taking all of its resources. And so what would happen is Rome would come in, they would murder mothers, daughters, sons, fathers, husbands, you name it, grandparents. They would murder them until that city or that region gave in. And then they would find the rich elite that were still alive and they would say, I need you to go to your neighbor whose fathers we killed and I need you to collect a tax from them. And then whatever, you can collect as much as you want, as much as you can get away with, and you can keep the rest and make yourself filthy rich, but then whatever we ask for, you have to give that to us so that we can continue to go on and slaughter cities. 
And so some of these guys who were wealthy and intelligent, who weren't killed when Rome came in, would become a traitor to their people. They'd become a tax collector. So Levi, in the city he's in, is probably known as one of their tax collectors of Capernaum is is probably the guess that I would have. And so these people, whether they're traveling in and out of the city, whether they're buying cattle, whether they're buying farming equipment, whether they're buying fish, it doesn't matter. They're, They're paying up this Levi so that he can pay the Romans to continue controlling them and continue growing. Not a very liked guy is, is my guess. Someone came in and killed your family and then also asked you for money so that they can keep doing that. It's probably not a dude you're going to and being like, what up, bro, how you doing? Right, like they're hated. There's a reason they're hated. But here's the things: the teachings of Jesus, they were so popular that I guarantee you Levi had heard of the kingdom that he was preaching about. Because remember, he, Levi was still Jewish. He was still religious. He had just kind of abandoned all the things that he He knew about the faith. There were more important things than remaining a Israelite or a Jewish person. Money had taken over these tax collectors' lives. So let's continue. We see that he says, follow me, and Levi doesn't say a word. The person of Jesus Christ is so attractive that he just stands up and follows him. Verse 15, as I close, this is our verse. This is my ministry that I I so desperately want us to catch a vision of. This is the verse I want to land on. And as he, that's Levi or Matthew, as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So so three things that I want to point out. One, Jesus says, follow me, like he has for many of us in this room at one point in our life. He's looked at us and he said, hey, follow me. And we were so overcome with the weight and guilt and shame of our lives, the sin of our lives, that that there were no need for words, maybe crying, but there was no need for words. It was just like this joy of getting up and going, I'm in. Maybe it was a summer camp. Maybe it was a Sunday service. Maybe it was a time in your life. But more than likely, that's a lot of us in this room. And then Levi, with no hesitation, opens up his house and invites everybody who's like him. Now, who did he invite to meet the presence with Jesus, to be in the presence of Jesus? It wasn't the religious elite people, was it? It wasn't the ones who were classified as righteous, the ones who were already in a good relationship with the Lord. Those weren't the people that Levi said, oh, well, finally, I'm forgiven of my sin, and I've now been given away into the kingdom for eternity as a son of the God who has created everything. Let me go find all the church folks and invite them. No, no, it says he went and found other tax collectors, other traders, other people who loved money more than their own brethren, other people who cared more about themselves and how well they could do than the rest of humanity, the selfish people, essentially. He, he then went and found not just them, but other sinners. And, and I know you all got taught that we're all sinners, right? As a kid, that was like probably some sort of EBS song that you sang. But in reality, sinners here are prostitutes, murderers, thieves, thugs, people who are, who are genuinely committing crimes. And they're such heinous crimes that people would have known, hey, this person is a murderer, stay away from him. Those were the people who the re- religious elite classified as sinners. Levi didn't go find the religious elite. He found people who he knew had no chance without the message of the kingdom that Jesus was bringing. 
At table 215, I, I want disciples. Like, like he, the, Jesus and the disciples, they were there. I want disciples. I want followers. I want people who, who, who have heard Jesus say, follow me, and they said yes. But that's not the heart, like, that's not the only heartbeat I have. See, when I was 17 years old, I didn't believe that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I didn't, I didn't think that I needed him. Then someone invited me, and they showed me. They didn't show me anything that they were doing. They didn't show me how they worshiped the Lord, although that's important, and, and I want to make a case for it down the road. But the most important thing they did was they just showed me who Jesus Christ was. They showed me the presence of Jesus Christ through his word and that alone. And I saw that there was this, this man who, who worked and lived in a way that showed that there's an eternal life, that, that he has completely forgiven me, that he has bought me, that he has redeemed me, that he's wanting to change my life, that he's wanting me to get up without saying any words and follow him in any direction. And I know I'm going to be safe because he's the creator of the universe. Because someone invited me to hear who Jesus Christ was. And that person, listen, that person had been sharing the gospel with me and that was beautiful and I love him to this day for doing that. But it, it was also because he invited me. That's my second, my second point from this text. And my last one is this. My last one is this Levi, a tax collector, showed up to the table. He reclined at the table, which that word means not just that he showed up and they ate like, a, like Thanksgiving dinner where you're just ready to turn the Cowboys game on or off or whatever, however they're winning or losing. But you're not just, it's not just that, it's hours of sitting and resting and being in each other's presence. And, and I can't imagine it not being this fun thing because you're surrounded by murderers and I'm sure they're telling crazy stories and I'm sure they're laughing. Like I'm sure it wasn't this depressing thing. Like the text doesn't make it seem like it was this depressing hangout. No, no, they reclined, they relaxed, they hung out, they told stories with who? Well, with people who were like them. Who was invited to the reclining at Levi's house? It was the people who was like Levi. At table 215, I want young adults to invite young adults, whether they're religious or not. Listen, I wasn't religious. I, I thought speaking in tongues, like a, a phrase that is very clearly in the scriptures, I thought that they were speaking Spanish. Like I wore t-shirts with cats at a rave on them. I wasn't a religious person. I wore hats in church. I still to this day do. I'm not, I'm not looking for overly religious. Now, now, if you keep going on the text, which we will eventually, there are religious people there. And Jesus eats with them too. Jesus goes to Pharisee's house and he goes to those who love the law and he goes to those who are elite in the church. And he loves them too. He desires for all to be saved. But it seems to me here at verse 215, it seems like he wanted a specific group in their community who, who probably wouldn't have been reached any other way. And so if you're in here and you're a disciple, I, I have one thing that I want to like commission you with as I close. Man, I know you know some people who don't know the Lord. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you go to school with them. Maybe it's a family member. I, I know you know someone in Collin County. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe, maybe it's the person that gets you coffee at Starbucks every week, but now you're going to go to cream and sugar, so that's, I'm just kidding. But I know you know people. Here's my thing. Do you believe that the presence of Jesus Christ, not me, not this community, not our worship, do you believe the presence of Jesus Christ the way that it's told through the Holy Scriptures, do you believe that's enough to call even the worst sinner to repentance with a relationship with him? Because you inviting them isn't saying, let me save them. Listen, most of us are like that girl. We're trying, but we're just splashing water on each other. 
Now that works occasionally. There's some people who that appeals to. That first church I went to, if I was 70 years old in College Station and I went there, I would have loved it. I would have fit in perfectly. So those things work. I'm not saying that God doesn't move without us. I'm saying, why don't we step into this space and go, God, I have some people that I think I can invite and I think they would enjoy this. Not because it's just fun, but they would recline at a table and they would see your presence and you, like you did over and over and over and like you've done with me, would change lives for eternity. You would change souls from, from death to life. And then for you disciples, I pray that you guys would be sanctified. I pray that every week you would come, you would be able to lay down everything that happened from Monday to Thursday, whether it was a good week, a bad week, you would come in here, lay everything down, and you get to worship our king together like we will one day in eternity. For young adults and college students, And lastly, as we leave here, just know my heartbeat is that we would do this on Thursdays every week, absolutely, but some of y'all in here don't have any community. Some of y'all don't know anyone who is your age, who is of the same faith, and they live like 0.6 miles away from you. So if you don't, or maybe you have a group, but you're wanting to add more people to your group because I need those people too, after this, if you go to that connect table and just fill out a card, Give me your name, give me your number, and I have most of y'all's numbers. I know I'm looking around the room, but just fill it out so that we can put it in and I can reach out and and I can say, hey, have you been connected to anyone who's like you? And here's the thing. I want to get to know you guys so that I can put you in a group with someone who's like you. I don't want to just put a group of random people together. Like, I think that works, but again, there's more intentionality that I want from this ministry. So again, I'm thankful y'all are here. Y'all are genuinely an answer to prayer from my heart, my my staff's heart, this church's heart, this community's heart, and hopefully an answer to prayer for your heart, to find people like you so that we can surpass this loneliness and looking around us and seeing no one who's our age, no one with our goals, no one who understands what we're going through. So if you're not connected, get connected afterwards. Let me pray for us, and the worship band's gonna come back up here, and we're gonna sing one more song, worshiping our king, laying our lives down before him. Father, I personally confess and lay my life down before you, knowing that had you not moved in my life, Lord, I don't know that I'd be standing here. Father, I've seen you move in my life in a way because of who you are, Jesus Christ, the love that you have for me, the sacrifice that you made for me, the life that you've bought for me. I've seen you move in my life in such a way, Lord, that that I want to lay my life down and create a space for Collin County young adults to come together and worship you because you are worthy of all praise. Father, I ask that you would just bless this ministry. I pray that you would bless these people out here. Would you put a name on their heart? Would your spirit right now, even tonight, would you start putting names on our hearts for people who aren't religious, for people who would never step foot in a church? And would we just keep praying for them and praying for them until the walls come down and your Holy Spirit gives in to them and that they would show up and they would see the works and the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, you are powerful, you are good, you are mighty. Give us faith so that we can trust you. Take away all embarrassment and give us courage. Give us your spirit. Jesus Christ, our King, we worship you. We need you. Would your spirit be glorified here tonight? Amen.